a typo in the scripture reading. You don't need two semicolons. It should be Galatians 2.20 rather than 4.20. Because of uh, the time constraints and our wanting to end the meeting on time for the sake of those caring for the children and other responsibilities, I cannot uh, spend too much time to review the first three messages. It may be sufficient to point out that we're focusing on God's goal, which is his building. And in all the cases, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's dwelling place is associated with God's glory. The tabernacle was built. It was filled with the glory of God. The temple was constructed. It was filled with the glory of God. When Christ came as the reality of both the tabernacle and the temple, he was filled with the glory of God. In Ephesians 3, Paul prays unto him, be glory in the church. In Revelation 21, the new Jerusalem, the corporate bride of Christ, has the glory of God. Glory is God expressed. And the spiritual meaning of the word building, as used in the New Testament, is the corporate expression of God. For this God chose us to be holy, predestinated us unto sonship. This he did in eternity past. The consummation of this is seen in the New Jerusalem. The bride, the counterpart, the wife of the redeeming God, who is also a city signifying a kingdom filled with the glory of God. Now we are in the bridge of time, collectively, the entire human race, and each one of us personally. Only God knows the number of our days, how long our journey will be, and as his believers, we should have the sense that we're not here by accident, that we are here according to God's will by which he created and for which he created all things. That we have been created, redeemed, and regenerated and brought into the church life because the Lord wants us to participate directly and personally in the building up of the church as the body of Christ. And we are increasingly, gradually nearing the end of this age. The goal of the Lord's, God's economy, and the goal of the Lord's recovery in the present stage are the same. The building up of the church as the body of Christ in reality and practicality through the local churches. 
In Genesis 2, with the typology of the woman created as a helper of the man, a rib is taken out of the man, and this is what the word says, God built a woman. And this corresponds to the Lord building up the body of Christ. But when the woman was presented to the man, Eve presented to Adam in the story, she is presented to him as his counterpart, as his wife. The body of Christ will issue in the bride of Christ. They're the same entity. Right now, the Lord, as the head, is building up the body of Christ. When the body of Christ is built up, that will equal the preparation of the bride. Uh, on the way here, in unexpected traffic, a verse came up to us in the car as we were praying and fellowshipping, the bride has made herself ready. And inwardly, I was telling the Lord, I, Lord, I'd like to study this. I'd like to seek you concerning this. Even though I've had conferences on the preparation of the bride, there must be much more light and experience ahead of us. The bride has made herself ready. When the Lord comes secretly to rapture the overcomers, he is coming for the bride. He is coming for us as the bridegroom. The parable in Matthew 25 of the virgins indicates this. When they are resurrected, they hear the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is here. So the Lord's longing is to have a wife. In one of his parables in Matthew, he said the kingdom of the heavens is like a king who prepared a wedding feast for his son. God the Father is preparing a wedding feast for his son. And the father will be supremely happy on the son's wedding day when he sees not only himself expressed in the son, but he sees himself expressed in the son through the son's wife. There will be a corporate expression there. And as Matthew 25 indicates, some of the virgins, some of the believers, were wise and prudent. They had oil in their vessels, that is, they had the spirit saturating their soul. They were admitted into the wedding feast. The others came too late. The crucial matter is this. In this age, the Lord is fulfilling his prophecy, I will build my church. And as we trace this into Paul's epistles and through the book of Revelation, 
we see in Ephesians the body of Christ, the temple of God, the new man, the warrior. And in chapter 5, we see the bride, the counterpart. Right now, as we are meeting here, the Lord's heart in his heavenly ministry is filled with longing for her. Hebrews 12 tells us to look away unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I have pondered for many years, even a few decades, what was the joy set before him. As far as I know, we're not explicitly told. But sometimes what the Bible reveals indirectly is particularly significant. We know from Ephesians 5 that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Therefore, we have reason to say, as I will now say, I believe the joy set before the Lord Jesus when he was hanging on the cross for six hours was his wife. He knew that his death would deal with every negative thing in the universe, that his death would release, would release his life, and that in his resurrection, this released divine life would be imparted into his chosen and redeemed people and eventually operate in them until they become the built-up church and the prepared body, a prepared bride of Christ. When Christ in his heavenly ministry determines that those who will turn out to be the overcomers, we don't know that until the judgment seat, but when he discerns that in the local churches the body of Christ has been built up significantly enough and these overcoming ones carry out this work on behalf of the Lord and on behalf of all the believers. They represent all the believers. Then the Lord will determine, I now have, in the midst of the enemy's territory, the reality of my body. Then he will spontaneously realize she has made herself ready. So when the church is built up as the body, and it's about the time for the Lord to set in motion the 70th week of the book of Daniel, he will rearrange the world situation, especially in Europe and in the Middle East, involving the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, as will take place, and as many of you will live to see, if not all of us then the Lord will rapture those saints that have been built up as the reality of the body in the churches. 
and they will be presented to him as his bride. And as soon as that happens, the wedding feast begins and the great tribulation on earth begins. Three and a half years later, the Lord will indicate to his young wife, dear, we're going on a journey. Where are we going? We're going to Armageddon. What will we do? We will fight a final battle. Well, what do I wear to go to Armageddon? And he will assure her, your wedding dress is your warrior's uniform. I'm, one reason I married you is that you not only were mature, you not only expressed me, you not only were beautiful, you were not only built up, but you were one experienced warrior. I need a warrior wife, and that's you. Let's go. And so, now the body that's presented to the Lord as the bride is now the bridal army. The Lord returns with his bridal army, defeats Antichrist and his army. Then, Christ with the bridal army becomes the corporate stone to strike the toes of the great image in Daniel 2 and human government at last is removed from the earth. All the politics, all the vain talk, human government is replaced by the manifestation of the kingdom of God. So then the stone becomes a great mountain filling the whole earth, and that great mountain signifies the kingdom. Please see the sequence. Body, bride, army, stone, mountain. And the motion from body to bride, from bride to army, from, bride, from army to stone, from stone to kingdom, will be about three and a half years. That will be the most radical dispensational change the earth has ever seen. The present age, the age of grace, the age of the church, and the age of mystery will be over. The age of the kingdom, the age of righteousness and manifestation will begin. Satan will be bound and in the abyss. The power of the coming age will be manifested. There will be no war. The serious problems with the environment will be resolved. God cares for the earth. He cares about the environment. He created it. He doesn't want to see it defiled and ruined and made impossible for humans to live here. So this is actually going to happen. But we can trace the thought backwards. The mountain, that's the kingdom starting the millennial age. In order for there to be the mountain, there must be the stone that eliminates human government. Before there can be a stone, there must be the bridal army to deal with the enemy. In order to have the bridal army, there has to be the bride. But the bride will be manifested only when 
the church as the body of Christ is built up in a reality. And what I'm about to say, I'm not presumptuous. I'm just testifying that Christ in me is the hope of glory. I'm testifying of the one hope we all have. Even though I'm far from young, my living hope is to stay with you all the way through until we're raptured. Amen. Right? That I'm not going to make some silly speculation about who is the Antichrist and and how close we are to the end. But I was in one meeting, especially in Anaheim, after I returned from Israel. And I'd taken my son there at his request to go on a trip with me, my younger son. We visited the Temple Restoration Society. And we saw these young Israelis living for the rebuilding of the temple. And when we came back, I shared this with the church in Anaheim. And we prayed with power and authority for the Lord to clear the Temple Mount. So one morning, if it happens during the, the, in, in the time range where it's morning for us, you wake up, turn on your iPhone, and you see this breaking news. Stray ballistic missile blows up the buildings on the Temple Mount. Orthodox Jews swarming the temple, proclaiming they will now rebuild the temple. Arab nations uniting as one to declare war against Israel. Israel enters into a covenant with a great European leader. You now know the last seven years of Daniel's prophecy is coming. And so my constant awareness and consciousness before the Lord is that we are nearing the end. But as we're nearing the end, we should continue to live as normal a human life as we can wherever we are. Don't stop studying. You know, complete, complete your PhD. Now, if the rapture comes while you're finishing your dissertation, I suggest you leave it unfilled <laughs> and then go to be with the Lord. Otherwise, you can write it and defend it during the Great Tribulation if you want to do that. And then they will hid you and they will hood you and call you doctor and you got it, except you missed the wedding feast. And so when we are talking about the, the building up of the church as the body of Christ, this is not something theoretical. This is something that under the sevenfold intensified spirit is going to be more and more the focus of the Lord's operation in us. So in this message, we will consider ministering the building God and the builded God. Okay? And in order to understand the importance of this, you need to realize a couple things. I emphasize again, the building is the corporate expression of God in glory. 
That's the building. So the building of God takes place as we are being transformed from glory to glory so that we increasingly express God. And at the same time, our oneness is being perfected. According to the Lord's Prayer in John 17, we are one in the, through the Word, we're one in the divine life, but the highest level of oneness is the oneness in the divine glory. When we reach the oneness in the divine glory, there is no longer any expression of the self at all. Only God is expressed. But now we're in the process of transformation from glory to glory. So we're all in this transitional development. So in varying degrees, we express the Lord, but still something of the old creation is here. Okay, we're all going through this. We're all the same. But the Lord's goal is to perfect our oneness so that there's no place for the self at all. Only God in Christ is expressed through the members of the body. What I'm aiming at is that being built up to be the corporate expression involves two main matters. One is that we actually express the Lord. And as we emphasized yesterday, the soul is the organ of expression. The spirit is the organ for contacting and containing God. The soul is the organ of expression. At the beginning, the soul just expressed the self. But the Lord wants to be expressed from our spirit through our soul. For that reason, we are being transformed from glory to glory. So you should expect more and more in your life with the Lord. The Lord will operate within you, work upon you, and cause all things to work together on behalf of you to accelerate your own personal transformation from glory to glory. We need to see the connection between glory in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We behold and reflect the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into his image from glory to glory. We need to connect that with the glory in John 17, 21 through 23. The glory in the, of the divine oneness. So the goal of your being transformed is not to make you a spiritual specimen. Wow, is she ever glorious. And we're not, and so we make her today's Madame Guyon. The goal is that you would just be part 
of the universal corporate expression, the New Jerusalem, composed of untold millions of believers. This is how we're all going to end up. We will be there. We will recognize each other. But none of us is going to be special, right? Now, the self doesn't like this. The self doesn't want to be one of 70 million, whatever the number will be. The self wants to stand out. The self wants to be higher. It wants to be noticeable. That's called self-glory. So when all of us, wherever we are in our human situation, the Spirit will be operating in us to transform us from glory to glory. The sovereign God will be operating upon us and he will arrange the environment regarding us and all these will work together for the transformation of our soul. It will accelerate your advance in this matter if you yourself begin to see the relationship between your transformation and God's building. It's not just for you to be transformed so you can be in the kingdom. It's for you to be transformed to be part of this corporate expression. And it's a great turn in our life with the Lord when truly, inwardly, intrinsically, we connect our love for Him our seeking of him with his goal to have the body and the bride. I'm reminded, and I just relate this again, many of you have never heard this. In 1970, early in the year, there was a conference in Arizona when I was there and some of us were staying for hospitality in the same house where Brother Lee was. So finally, I thought I could ask him a question about a certain kind of spiritual experience that intrigued me, okay? And I wanted to know what it was. And I don't think I've ever before disclosed what the question was, but I feel to do it this morning. I thought, surely Brother Lee will answer this question. I've just been intrigued with this. So I asked Brother Lee, what does it mean for our outer man to be broken? To be broken. I'm intrigued by this. I read the book. And I thought, surely he will explain to me what it means to be broken. Instead, he said this. A sentence inscribed on my being. Brother, spirituality is a body matter. So he realized where this question came from, from individualistic spirituality, and he would not feed that. He would not appeal to that. Of course, that ended the conversation. <laughs> And I had no idea what the reality, the spirituality is a body matter meant, but it 
planted the seed of seeking in my being. Now one other matter, and then we'll go through this one page outline with a particular focus. The Lord said, I will build my church. But the way he builds it is revealed as we go through the New Testament. So actually, most of his building work he is not doing directly. Rather, in his heavenly ministry, he is carrying out the way he ordained to make it possible for all of us to do the direct building. He has ordained this way. He will not depart from it. So the clearest revelation of God's way, essentially, is in Ephesians. And in chapter 4, we see in verse 16 that the out from the head, all the members of the body are growing. Every part is functioning, causing the growth of the body unto the building up of itself in love. The body will build itself up in love when certain things take place in enough brothers and sisters that allow this to happen. And in chapter 4, we see some of these things that need to take place. In verse 15, we need to grow up into the head Christ in all things. So I was not the driver this morning. I had the dear brother driving and the information he got electronically when we left the training center was traffic is clear, but that wasn't the practical reality. Instead of 20 minutes, it took 50 minutes to get here. And we, we were so close to Alewife, but the green arrow turned red again. And I wasn't the driver. If I were the driver, it wouldn't have been that easy. But this time I could say, we might as well gain the Lord for the next two minutes. Right? We're here. We're going to be later than we thought. So this is an instance of growing up into the head in all things. Then in verse 16, there is the operation in every part plus the supply from the joints, the gifts. And so, at the very least, you're a part and you have a measure. And if your measure doesn't come forth, the body will sense the shortage. Many years ago, Actually, more than four decades ago, I received a phone call from a sister. And you just think, as I tell you this story, how I should have answered the question. 
she's calling out of uh, discouragement. Probably with some self-pity in there, but I wasn't about to criticize her. She said, Ron, I think the church can go, go along without me. You know, I, if, if just I were not here, I think that the church would just be able to go ahead, go on. So I wonder, what should I say? So this is what I said. I said, sister, the church can proceed, go on without you but not as well as with you. Right? If I lost my left thumb and my left big toe, I would still go along, but not as much. This is why it needs to dawn on us, and I'm speaking from my heart to you, you as a member are irreplaceable. That's why I tell the trainees when they're going to be prophesying or speaking something, before your turn comes, someone shares your point. And now you feel, what, what's, what, why should I say anything? I said, well, they shared your point, but no one has your portion. Even if 50 of you shared the same point, each one of you would release something of your portion. You need to realize that this is the case. The body will build itself up. So we need to grow up unto Christ in all things. And we need to be brought into our function without knowing what it is. Uh, the members of my body are functioning, my flat feet are functioning, but they're not flat feet conscious. They're just doing what they're supposed to do. So don't try to figure out what your function is. That will just trap you. Just let the Lord live in you spontaneously. That will be the function. But now we go backward to verse 12. And this concludes a brief portion about the Lord gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers four categories of gifted persons to perfect the saints. So they are not a clergy. They're the joints of supply. They cannot build up the body directly. They cannot build up the church directly. It is set the members build up the body directly. That is the way ordained by God, period. Non-negotiable. But just to exhort the members to do something doesn't help at all. They listen to the exhortation and then it, it just, it, it doesn't work. Because you're exhorting them without supplying them, without equipping them, 
without nourishing and cherishing them. And so, in verse 12, we read that we are perfected unto the work of the ministry, unto the building up of the body of Christ. So we're going to go shortly to the outline on what our ministry is. But now it's all the members being perfected unto the work of the ministry. So now the ministry advances from the apostles, from the gifted members, to all the members. And this is the crucial point. This, is, this lies behind Brother Lee's entire labor on the God-ordained way and our need to totally dismantle the clergy laity system and practice the God-ordained way in a vital living way so that the church will be built up by the members directly, all the members, male and female, regardless of age, all the members. If you were not necessary and irreplaceable, you wouldn't be alive, you wouldn't be here, you wouldn't have been created, you wouldn't have been redeemed. You're a member of the body. And a parallel to this, I just feel to mention, is in John 14. The Father's house is the church. I go to prepare a place for you. The Father has uncountable number of children. But in his heart, whenever he sees a place not occupied, he's not satisfied. No one can be in the place prepared for you in the triune God. God shows you, according to his foreknowledge, he predestinated you, and it's just going to be this way. So there needs to be the perfecting of the saints. You can't just tell them, do this. It doesn't work. You need to supply them. And they realize, I now have a part of this ministry, which is to minister the process and consummated triune God who is in me to other members of the body and to unsaved people by preaching the gospel. You need to realize you have a portion of Christ that no one else has. And the only way we can participate in your portion of Christ is for you to impart it to us. And when we do this mutually, the body is building itself up. So we're perfected unto the work of the ministry, comma, indicating apposition, which means equal, unto the building up of the body of Christ. So the work of the ministry is the work of building up the body of Christ. Now one more thing needs to be happening us. In addition to growing, functioning, 
and being perfected. And that is a different kind of building needs to take place inside of us. That's in chapter 3. When uh, Paul's epistles were written, there were no chapters and verses. In that kind of Greek, there was no punctuation, no periods. It's just, just goes on and on. How they knew what was the end of a thought, I don't know. But somewhere along the line, we have chapters and verses. And so I find it very significant. Okay, get ready. This is, this is deep stuff now. Okay, get ready. Chapter 3 comes before chapter 4. I know. I know that's heavy stuff. Right? Well, what am I saying in this facetious way? There's an experience described in chapter 3 that is a requirement for us to have the actual building up of the body of Christ in chapter 4. And that is seen in Paul's prayer. We need to be strengthened with power into the inner man. Okay, that's the procedure. So that Christ may make himself in your heart through faith. Then we will be filled unto all the fullness of God. We will comprehend with all the saints the knowledge surpassing love of Christ. There will be glory in the church. And I saw a t-shirt Friday night. This student, it had a square in the front, and at the bottom was the Greek word katoikeo. That wasn't you, was it? No, katoikeo. Well, oikeo is the verb form of the word oikos, meaning house. So to oikeo something is to build a house. And when you put the preposition kata in front of it, it's being built downward into the depths of your being. So what needs to happen before the body can build itself up in Ephesians 4.16 is that we need to be strengthened with power into our inner man so that our inner man becomes the strongest part of our being, so that Christ, a living person, will make his home, build a home inwardly in our heart. And so, he's entering into a preoccupied space, so there will be much... Uh, Redecorating, rearranging, cleansing, reconstructing. But this, this is the central matter. This prayer in Ephesians 3 is the heart of the heart of the heart of the divine revelation. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians are the heart of the divine revelation. Ephesians with chapter 3 is the heart of the heart of the divine revelation. And the prayer in Ephesians 3 is the heart of the heart 
of the heart. And by the Lord's mercy, for some decades now, someone prayed. This was not a result of my own seeking. Someone prayed. And I kind of suspect it was one of my spiritual mothers who's with the Lord. I think Sister Lee prayed for us brothers like this. They knew where we were. They knew what we needed. And they prayed in secret. And I just realized I need to live in this prayer. This prayer needs to become mine, not as a ritual. And so the Lord wants to build himself into us, permeating and saturating us with the process and consummated triune God. This opens the way for us to be perfected under the work of the ministry, that is, under the building up of the body of Christ. It will lead to our growth into the head in all things, and it will manifest our function spontaneously. So we may say that, if not the best, one of the best things we can do for the Lord's recovery, for the church, for the saints, one of the best things a brother can do for his wife, one of the best things you can do for your children, especially when they're adults now, and you can't do much to help them, and you suffer ten times more than when they were three or four. That's just the way it is. To me, there's no better thing than you can do than to allow Christ to make his home in your heart. Your mind, emotion, will, and conscience. He just lives in you. And then all that he is is now settled there, and he spontaneously flows out. Which will bring us to ministering. The ministering. Which in the body is mutual. A basic principle of the body of Christ is mutuality. Paul learned this from the very beginning. He had a vision of Christ. And he heard the word me, signifying the corporate Christ. He asked the Lord, who are you? The Lord answered, I am Jesus. He asked, what should I do, Lord? The Lord said, it will be told you. I will work through the body. He sent Ananias. And Ananias was clear about Paul's function before Paul was clear about his function. The body knows. And the Lord sent this member to bring Paul into the fellowship of the church and to communicate to him what the Lord had spoken to him, that is Ananias, concerning him. So Paul right away indicated, learned, I cannot live without the body. Now we shouldn't tell the Lord things that are not yet real to us. We should just speak to him where we, according to where we are. But eventually you'll be able to tell him, Lord, I cannot live without you. 
And Lord, I cannot live without the body. Only the Lord knows how many saints, especially faithful sisters, pray for traveling brothers like myself. But it would be impossible for us to do what we're doing without this. We're in a situation, just the supply comes. One dear brother, when I sit next to him in a ministry meeting, I know what's going through him. A minute or two before he's to stand up, he barely has the strength. He's just exercised to be able to stand up. But when he stands, the supply is there. Because it comes from the body. So we are living in a, this wonderful mutuality. Now, in about 20 or 22 minutes, we can go through this outline and emphasize the crucial points. Ministering the building God, that is the God who is actively building himself into us, in order to build up the body of Christ with us and through us. But then we are ministering the builded God. The God who has built himself into our being. So in Ephesians 4, we're doing the work of the ministry. But in Ephesians 3, we are experiencing God being built into us. This is what we minister. Now, I say again, because I'm freshly led to do so, I have much hope for the Lord's recovery between now and the end of the age, if more co-workers finish their course before the end of the age. And I'm fully one with the Lord and the brothers that he would raise up another generation to bear responsibility in the churches. Eventually they become elders. And for the Lord to raise up many others, not only brothers, but sisters to match them, to carry out the work. But my primary burden is not immediately and directly with either the church or the work. It's with the ministry. And what is deep in my heart is that the Lord would spare the recovery in the future from simply being under the speaking of brilliant, intelligent, eloquent, gifted brothers who can present wonderful messages. They're so bright, they know the truth. They're eloquent, they can articulate the truth. They're so gifted, some of them have pleasant personalities. And those without discernment may realize, wow, this is wonderful. But those with discernment realize they're not imparting anything 
into my being. It's not that they're making a show. They're not making a show. They're in the realm of gift. Not in the realm of ministry. The first training I attended under Brother Lee was in the summer of 1967. And the first conference also at that time. He would have a conference and then a six-day training every summer. And he was ministering from 2 Corinthians. And the general title was called Ministry Through the Cross. Those messages are printed in the book Autobiography of a Person in the Spirit. And he was ministering just several weeks after he was recovering from a kind of surgery. But on the Lord's Day morning, he gave a message on the difference between gift and ministry. And then he suggested a prayer. And I was only 27. I felt my response was genuine. But I had no idea what it involved. But I genuinely responded. He said, you need to pray. Lord, give me the experiences I need that will produce this ministry. Because his burden was there needs to be brothers who can carry on the ministry. And I prayed that sincerely. And the Lord never forgot for the last 51 years. He's still answering that prayer. And in my heart is this longing I'm very encouraged. I see brothers all over the earth. I know they're under the Lord's hands. But the Lord must have some. We don't know when he's coming. And even if I'm around for a long time, come on. I'm not going to be able to keep this jetting all over the earth forever. Others are going to have to spend 15 hours in room 40 in row 48 C a middle seat going to Sydney it'll be your turn I'll be home praying for you <laughs> responding to your pleas through emails and texts and so we need this not only to have brothers that can carry on the ministry with integrity but that the way will be opened for all of us to realize we're being perfected unto the work of the ministry, unto the building up of the body of Christ. It will be the members that do it directly. Not the Lord directly, not the apostles directly, not the gifted brothers directly, not the ministering brothers directly, but you, you directly. So with this in mind, we read this outline. Roman 1 is a summary of what we've been covering until now. As God's chosen, redeemed, and regenerated people who are one with God, who are constituted with God, 
who live God, who express God, who move with God, who represent God, and who function as the acting God, we minister the building and builded God for the intrinsic constitution of the building of God. So the goal is the building. The constitution is the triune God wrought into us. And with this constitution, there's something essential. Now those that are just hearing this line of ministry this morning, I feel I, I owe you a, a brief definition of the acting God. It's one step development beyond representing God. You represent God, you express him, others realize this is how God is, this is how he views the matter. But God has a will to be carried out. And those who know his will and who are one with him and execute his will are really God in action by representation. And in some fellowship after the meeting, my, my brother Paul, he, he just pointed out, look, look at Acts 27, about 250 men on this boat in the middle of a terrible storm. Paul is a prisoner. At a certain point, he stands on the deck. You just read the account. He's a king there. He's telling everyone, he says, cheer up. You don't want someone to tell you to cheer up in the midst of a gale. You said, you shut up. I won't cheer up. <laughs> then he said, the God whom I serve sent his angel to assure me I'm going to get to Rome. We're all going to make it. We're going to lose the ship. But we're, no one will die. And you haven't eaten for a long time. You need to eat something. So he broke bread and he prayed. And then they, they got cheered up. He's a prisoner. He's the acting God directing everything. And some fellows tried to cut loose a small boat to, to escape. And Paul sees them. He says, don't do that. If you do that, you'll die. Cut, the, cut, the, cut it loose. And they obey him. So here you have someone being the acting God in the sense he is executing God's will. But all of this issues in our ministering. Two, the ministers of the new covenant are one with their ministry. Okay? Just reflect on the brotherly you know. Brotherly the man, brotherly with the ministry are the same. What he ministered was not only the word, objectively, it was the triune God that was the content of his being. That's why he always gave us what he was talking about. This means that the ministers are the ministry. See, a gifted person, he can be a certain kind of individual, but his gift operates automatically. Like the donkey, Balaam's donkey, got the gift of speaking Hebrew, but he remained a donkey. He just had this unusual temporary gift. So the person and the ministry are one. Their ministry is what they are, not merely what they do 
or the work they accomplish. It's what they are. The inner being of the ministers of the new covenant is their ministry. Their ministry is what they are. So this is applying to all of us. What we are is our function. What we are is our ministry. If the shepherd constitutes you with his shepherding spirit, his shepherding heart, his intimate concern for people, his love for people, if he enlarges your heart so that hundreds, thousands of saints can be there, they're in your heart all the time, then you just spontaneously minister what you are. You talk to someone for two minutes after a meeting like this, and they're supplied. Something is put into them that the Spirit will honor. We can do this to one another. A brother came up to me after the one, one of the meetings yesterday. He didn't know it. He was ministering to me. He was washing my feet. He was encouraging me. I need that. We need that. This is for all of us. See, what matters in the New Covenant ministry is what the ministers of the New Covenant are in their being and in their living. Okay, three. The intrinsic element of our work is that we minister the building and builded God into others for the building up of the body of Christ on every level. If you're working with the young people, the young people just have to be young people. The junior high, let them be junior high. Don't be shocked that they're, or they're teenagers. And you know what kind of meeting is suitable for them. But what, what a, a blessing they have. You are experiencing Christ for them. You are allowing Christ to make his home in your heart for them. And they know it. They know what's real. They can taste it. Don't be put off by the outward demeanor. Their inward situation is very different from that, especially some of the young brothers. They have to be cool, you know, especially the, the girls are present. They have to be cool. <laughs> and so they're not cool if they show too much, you know, emotional reaction. But... Uh, Something is getting in. And we just, this is part of, our, part of our being. A, the goal of our work should be to minister the building and building God into others. This is the crucial matter in our work in the Lord's recovery. And Brother Lee told the co-workers, you need to consider the work that you're doing, how much of the triune God has been wrought into the saints that you are serving. Whoa, quite a word. B, we should reconsider the work we are doing for the Lord. Oh, here it is. And ask how much of Christ, as the embodiment of the triune God, has been wrought into those whom we have brought to the Lord. We bring someone to the Lord. That's the beginning. Now we work the triune God into them, not by making them a project, but by ministering the Lord as we're having a divinely human contact with them. It may be in Starbucks. They're getting a caramel macchiato. Uh, you're having green tea. 
and you're there for 25 minutes, but something of the triune God is imparted to them. You don't know what it is, but one thing you know, you, you know by the sense of your spirit, the Lord is flowing. You know by the Lord shining in you after you part ways that you were one with him and something got imparted to him. The Lord will not forget this. The Lord keeps a positive account of all of your service with the infants, with the children's meeting, with the young people, with cleaning the hall, with maintaining practical things, with taking care of the finances. Hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of things, he will remember everyone and he will remind you, I remembered all of your faithful service and I remembered the countless times that you ministered me to others. Here is the one who built the Crystal Cathedral. Here is the one who was a TV hero, slaying people in the spirit. They're going to another place. It's not too bright where they're going. But you, I welcome to the wedding feast. You, I welcome into my joy. You're going to be a co-king. You're part of my bride. Come on in. I mean this. It's going to be the ordinary members that will overcome, and that will be the co-kings. D, as, the, as we endeavor to carry out the God-ordained way in the four steps of begetting, nourishing, perfecting, and building, our work must be based upon the process and consummated triune God who is building himself into his redeemed people and building them into him. So we must have these four steps. Begetting. Nourishing. In, in the new one's homes. Perfecting in home meetings. Building by prophesying. But all of this can't be a thing in itself. It's not a method. It's based upon the process and triune God. Who's building himself into us. So these things are not incompatible. We don't choose. Well, I, I emphasize the essential things. I want to try and God right into my being, but I don't care for all this practical stuff, you know, contacting people and being in their homes and preaching the gospel. That's for all you, those who like to be busy, and some say, yeah, you're just lazy. You're trying to be spiritual. You're not, you're not practical in any way. This kind of talk has to stop we're just one unit. Just like our body is one unit, our physical body. And that surely, through us, someone should be brought to the Lord. And through us, someone should be nourished and perfected. And we should more and more learn how to prophesy. But the essence of it is not the activity. It's the triune God built into our being. Four. The intrinsic constitution of the building of God is the processed and consummated triune God mingled with and built into his redeemed, regenerated, transformed, tripartite elect. So we're still here. We're becoming Jesusly human, divinely human, but the process and consummated triune God is being mingled with us to make us true God-men and the one who's mingled with us 
becomes the constituent of the building and we minister him. You can even do it by greeting someone. I believe this dear sister has outgrown what I'm going to illustrate. And uh, I, I don't have my phone with me, so I, I can't use that, but I'll pretend this is the phone. She didn't feel she could just answer the phone in an ordinary way. So she would answer the phone and she would say, praise the process and consummated triune God who is carrying out his economy to build up the body of Christ to consummate the new Jerusalem. And he's doing this by dispensing himself into us that we may grow in life, be transformed and glorified to be the parts of the one new man. Hello. <laughs> and somehow she thought that if she would just say hi or hello, that's somehow just too human. That's not spiritual enough. Well, whenever I had occasion to call Brother Lee, he never went on like that. He just said, hello. <laughs> when, I, when I would see him, see him, he would say, hi. And I would see Sister Lee glowing with joy all the time, regardless of the suffering. Oh, I, I see her for 15 seconds on the sidewalk. God has ministered to me by this sister. Uh, five, Christ is building himself into us as our inward constitution. The issue of this building is that we become a particular class of people, the members of the body of Christ. So the Lord is building himself into us. Okay, it's through faith. So you can't feel it you can't measure it. Christ is making his home in your heart through faith. But from time to time, as he does in Song of Songs, the Lord will indicate to you, you're making progress. Six, the building, the, the building of God is the triune God wrought into us and mingled with us so that under his continual dispensing, we become his corporate expression, the body of Christ consummating in the new Jerusalem. I tried to point out in the previous messages that the divine revelation in the scriptures opened to us and presented to us by the minister of the age is profound. A verse in the psalm says of God, your thoughts are very deep. God is a deep thinker. He has his thoughts, his heart's desire. When they're made known, there's something far, far beyond what the human mind can grasp. But it's been revealed in the word. The Lord would open our eyes, open the scriptures, open our minds to be enlightened, to understand through the ministry what is there. It's profound. Ministering to build it, building and builded God, that's profound. Experiencing his divine dispensing, however, is so simple. We just turn our heart to him, come to him based on the precious blood of Jesus as we are and where we are, and we realize, Lord, I give you this day Thank you for giving me this day. Now I give you this day. I pray it will be a day full of the divine dispensing. Lord, 
Strengthen me with power into the inner man. Lord, make your home in my heart. Settle down in my heart. And Lord, do this for the church. Do this for the body. Do this for the bride. You can pray like this if you're at a red arrow. You can pray like this in the shower. You can pray like this if you're doing a little exercise walking. These simple, direct, brief prayers express to the Lord that we're really one with him and what he wants to do. And we ask him day by day. So let's say between now and the end of the year, but not, not ending with that, the Lord would just lead us into this simple practice of every day turning our heart to the Lord, presenting ourselves to him as open vessels, and recognizing he wants to give himself into us. He's not out to get us, to deal with us. That's secondary when that's necessary. He wants to impart himself to us little by little, day by day, because if he did it all at once, we would explode. And the Lord doesn't want us to explode. He wants us to be here, receiving his dispensing little by little. So may I end this way by saying in simplicity, the processed and consummated triune God bless you all in every way, at every time, everywhere, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Our, our enjoyment and response to our, our brothers.